0: Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad Podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I'm interviewing Cynthia Conrath, who is the owner of Moderny Spine, and she is a physician assistant. At Moderny Spine, they are focusing on pain management clinic located in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Today, we are going to be talking specifically about fibromyalgia, including what can cause it, symptoms, and treatment options that may help. So without further ado, here's Cynthia. Well, Welcome back to the program, Cynthia Conrath. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me back.
0: Today we're going to be talking about fibromyalgia, but before we get into that, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about your background?
1: Yes, so I am a physician assistant. I have been practicing for a little over six years and I've always practice within some type of pain space. So spine orthopedics, pain medicine, and I recently opened my own practice out in Minnetonka, Minnesota called Madurne Spine. So pain focused, again, um, focused on spine ailments, so pinched nerves, but then also on joints, musculoskeletal, so muscle pain, so kind of all-encompassing clinic.
0: Sure. So where can people find out more information about you at? So you can go to
1: modernispine.com. So moderni is spelled M-O-D-E-R-N-I, spine.com. Otherwise, you know, people can always give my clinic a call too. It's 651-440-0939. But those are probably two of the best ways.
0: Um, So I just want to clarify your clinic. Everything is in person, correct? Or do you offer any online stuff?
1: Um, I do offer telehealth services after there's been kind of an initial consultation, just with pain medicine, physical exam is really important to me. Um, But if people need telehealth services, just because they live farther away, that is an option too.
0: Okay, great. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of fibromyalgia. So the first question is, can you explain what fibromyalgia (laughs) is and what causes it?
1: I can't at all. (laughs) (laughs) podcast Um, over. I'll try a little bit. No, but this one of the reasons it makes this such an interesting topic is because there's still a lot that is unknown with fibromyalgia, but there's a lot of people suffering with it. So in a nutshell, it is a hypersensitivity syndrome, meaning that what someone normally might perceive a a touch as not painful, someone with fibromyalgia is going to perceive that more as a painful stimuli. So there's some type of miscommunication in how the brain and the nerves are perceiving pain. What causes it is still kind of unknown. There are a lot of things or a lot of hypotheses that people are saying might cause it such as and autoimmune disease and autoimmune disease just meaning that your body is essentially attacking its own healthy cells so some people might know different autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis Shogrin syndrome hashimoto's or lupus so those are all autoimmune diseases that might be some underlying factor within fibromyalgia but it's still still kind of unknown
0: Sure. So it's kind of like typically someone has some other underlying condition and this can become a side effect from it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. It can be kind of present on its own if, if they can't diagnose, you know, maybe what triggered it, but yeah, there are a lot of other factors that they think sort of triggers the body into this syndrome or this disease.
0: So what are the common signs and symptoms of fibromyalgia that patients should look out for?
1: The most common signs are going to be muscle pain, kind of widespread pain throughout the body. So um, a lot of tender points or tender areas throughout the body. The most common places that they're going to present are are sort of kind of that upper back, maybe the front of the neck, joints of the, the elbows, the knees, and then in that low back the buttock, the glute muscles are, are kind of where some of these tender points present. But it's also going to present with other symptoms that sort of play a role in quality of life, such as fatigue. So people will be tired, they won't get a lot of sleep or not very restful sleep. Uh, there's something called fibro fog, meaning that there's some decrease in, in sort of mental clarity for people with fibromyalgia. So. People might feel like they're starting to have um, memory issues or they just can't think as clear. They can't remember what they were doing. So that's um, another symptom that could be in fibromyalgia too.
0: Is this more common with middle age or older adults or doesn't it really matter?
1: It Middle age is probably more common. So when we look at commonality of fibromyalgia, it's... It's really hard because I I feel without, and I'm sure we'll get into this later too, but I feel without having a true diagnostic test to say, okay, you have fibromyalgia or you don't. It's hard to say whether it's overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed. So there's, could be a lot of people out there that are not diagnosed or everyone might have it, and maybe we're over diagnosing it. So, we do right now in clinical practice tend to see it more in middle age, but there is essentially like a juvenile fibromyalgia, and we do tend to see it more in women than men. Again, you tend to see more women go into the doctor for pain or for illnesses versus men, so that could be a reason why as well.
0: Yeah, we're stubborn, you
1: are. <laughs> Stubborn. My girlfriend but yet, tells me all so the time. So sick with the common cold. It's just <laughs> all
0: right. Uh, this is a good leeway into the next question. How is fibromyalgia diagnosed and what diagnostic tests are typically used?
1: So, as of right now, the main diagnostic tests are actually questionnaires. Um, so going based on patients' history and then questionnaires that look at or sort of grade how people are perceiving their pain and how their pain is affecting their daily life. So their ability to do just daily activities, make the bed, wake up in the morning, um, do the dishes, go to work. Those questionnaires kind of scale all of that. And then they also have people rank what their fatigue is like, what their sleep is like, how their pain is, is it stiffness in the morning? Is it burning pain? And looking at the scores of all of those kind of help diagnose fibromyalgia, but that is the really kind of stubborn thing about this disease is there's not a blood test or an MRI scan or a CT scan that we can do and say, oh, you have fibromyalgia. Um, So it's, as of right now, it should be in practice a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning we should really rule out a lot of other things, the big, bad, and ugly first before diagnosing someone with fibromyalgia.
0: That's interesting. I never honestly knew how it was diagnosed. I mean, from a physical therapy realm, like we don't really see people just with fibromyalgia. Like it's usually something they have in courts with another issue. yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. There's been, I mean, there, there's been a lot of studies out there looking at different, um, you know, cerebral spinal fluid, urine, blood tests, and and seeing some patterns in what might be elevated in patients with fibromyalgia, but there's no, yeah, there's no true standard for clinical practice. Right now, it's really just getting the history, making sure you kind of rule out other causes that do have diagnostic tests, and then, you know, and then kind of go from there.
0: Sure. So what is the difference between fibromyalgia and other conditions with similar symptoms such as chronic fatigue syndrome or rheumatoid arthritis?
1: So fibromyalgia, so back in, I think it was 1990s is when they first kind of coined fibromyalgia as a fibrositis syndrome and that was implying you know, with the itis part of the word, implying that there's some sort of inflammatory component. Now looking at muscle biopsy tissue samples, looking at the joints, there's no actual inflammation that can be seen within those joints. Whereas if you compare it to other, rheumatological diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, there is actually inflammation within that joint and it does actually develop into joint destruction, especially if it's not treated. So that's probably one of the main differences aside from right, rheumatoid arthritis having kind of actual lab tests set aside for being able to diagnose it, but you actually see that destruction of the joint or that inflammation, whereas fibromyalgia, you don't see that. With um, with chronic fatigue syndrome, so chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia overlap quite a bit. The main difference with the two of those is chronic fatigue syndrome is going to be very, very severe, severe on the fatigue side of things and less severe on the pain side of things. And then fibromyalgia is flipped. You're going to get the severity of the pain is going to be the number one factor, and then you'll still get that fatigue. But so they're kind of a a vice versa of each other. And again, both of those syndromes don't really have a good diagnostic test. So they're very similar. A lot of people think, you know, essentially you could have both at the same time. Um, But trying to weed out, you know, exactly which one is which is a little hard at this time without those testing.
0: Sure. Yeah. I would, I could see how they'd be so similar. It's just, (laughs) do you feel more (laughs) tired or more pain? Like, I guess that'd be the only. Right. And then trying to
1: split apart those, those diagnoses and they both, you know, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome was thought to initially maybe start after some type of viral infection. So maybe thinking there's some type of inflammatory component to the brain after a viral infection, but then fibromyalgia also could be triggered by viral infections too. So yeah, how they start out and their risk factors um, kind of coincide a little bit.
0: So I'm guessing the treatment between the two is somewhat similar.
1: It's somewhat similar. Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, looking at cognitive behavioral therapy, looking at different medications, things like that to, to manage. They're pretty similar. Fibromyalgia, right. You're trying to more so manage the the pain, rather than anything, and then the chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, you're really trying to boost those energy
0: levels. Sure. So I kind of asked this question early. I'm ruining my own questions.
1: Oh my god! You can't oh. ask again. Then sorry.
0: <laughs> I did get to in detail. How common is fibromyalgia, and who is at risk of developing it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we did. Yes, we did. Kind of touch. We just touched on it a little bit. Um again knowing how common it is is a little difficult just because there there might be some people that sort of jump to the conclusion of oh you have fibromyalgia without doing other thorough testing uh so it might seem more common in the pain space you know we definitely see fibromyalgia it's definitely common at least in our world now if you know you're in dermatology or something like that you're going to Feel like it's few and far between people with fibromyalgia. Um, what was the other part of the question?
0: You, you had is, a two. Who is at risk of developing?
1: Oh yes. It? Okay. Oh Monday morning. Um, so risk factors. So one of the pretty interesting risk factors is any history of psychological trauma. So people with a history of childhood abuse, childhood trauma are at a higher risk for developing fibromyalgia. Uh, People with a history of being a veteran, so PTSD from um, being active military, they're also at higher risk. And then any type of uh, physical trauma too. So not just that psychological component, but any physical trauma. So a large motor vehicle accident or any type of accident that sort of triggers this abnormal response in the body that can eventually develop into fibromyalgia or some of those other chronic pain conditions. So they, I mean, there's a lot of talk too about hormonal imbalances, um, vitamin mineral deficiencies, things like that. There's a lot of components in, You know, everyone's foot is in a little bit of a different pond. I mean, there's so many things that can go into it. And that's one of the things that makes treatment so difficult as well, because everybody's trigger to getting this syndrome or this disease could essentially be different. And so their treatment might have to be different as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, with neurological conditions, it's, you know, hit and miss and everything varies so drastically. Mm -hmm. This is is a head scratcher of a condition. (laughs)
1: I know it really is. And it's it's um, I mean, it's out there and it's diagnosable again, as long as you sort of rule out other things as well. But it's definitely it's so interesting because it's like we know so much, but we haven't quite put it all together yet.
0: Sure. Okay. Uh, Can you discuss the challenges in diagnosing fibromyalgia considering it's often vague and overlapping symptoms? Mm hmm.
1: So kind of going back to what we were were talking about before, you know, I can't draw someone's blood and see that they have a low red blood cell count and say, oh, okay, you know, you have fibromyalgia and it's not a swab where I can grow some type of bacteria and, and diagnose it. So it's really making sure that if someone has painful joints, you know, we want to make sure that there's not another rheumatological disease going on, that they don't have rheumatoid arthritis. You know, if it's a single joint, then we have to look and make sure there's nothing wrong with that specific joint, because what fibromyalgia is going to present as is going to be more so widespread pain. It's going to be often symmetrical, so you're going to get pain kind of on both sides of the body at the same time versus someone coming in with just a really painful, tender knee, then you need to kind of really look into what's going on there. They should not be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, but really, you know, the the fatigue that goes along with it, looking at thyroid levels, you know, looking at um, if they have any gastrointestinal symptoms. So looking at issues with the gastrointestinal tract, there's a lot of other diseases that we just need to rule out and make sure patients don't have before we say, okay, this might be fibromyalgia.
0: Does fibromyalgia kind of come in waves or is it kind of a constant?
1: So it can come in waves. So one of the interesting things is one of the diagnostic criteria used to be that patients had to have 11 out of 18 of these tender points on physical examination. So there were kind of these 18 defined tender points. And on a physical exam, patients had to meet 11 of those points. They kind of did away with that because it could fluctuate or come in these, um, almost like a remission and then flare up. And so depending on the day of your physical exam, you know, some of these points might not be tender And then you wouldn't be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So it can definitely kind of go into remission phase. I'd say most people, at least that, that I've seen, um, have some degree of sort of a widespread pain all the time, whether it be a stiffness, but then they can definitely go through a flare up where things are just really tender to the touch, difficult to move, but there's always sort of some degree of things there.
0: Sure. So what are the available treatment options for managing fibromyalgia and how effective are they?
1: There are a lot of options, um, depending on what, what route patients want to go. I mean, starting with the the least invasive options, you're going to be looking at potentially doing some cognitive behavioral therapy. So, um, looking at different ways to meditate, different ways to reframe sort of accepting fibromyalgia, accepting you know what your life is, what your limits are right now, um, and kind of, I guess, rebranding yourself almost. And then once you look at therapy, other options might be doing different nutritional or dietary changes. There is a lot of good evidence. So kind of level A evidence that um, certain medications can be helpful in treating fibromyalgia. So amitriptyline is one of the medications, Civella. So um, basically antidepressants, tricyclic antidepressants, um, SNRIs or SSRIs, and then pregabalin, which a lot of people know as Lyrica. So those medications can be really helpful in some patients. I think One of the biggest things is if you are diagnosed with fibromyalgia, just being patient in that journey, similar to depression and anxiety, because it's not a one medication or one treatment fits all. You know, it's not an antibiotic. I can throw at an infection and have it clear up for most people. It's definitely you know, kind of a trial and error sometimes with what medications you can tolerate, what works for you and things like that. So there's definitely medications out there that can be really helpful in managing fibromyalgia.
0: So you kind of talked about meditation and diet a little bit, but there are any other lifestyle changes that are non-medical strategies people can try?
1: Yeah. So, yep. Like you said that we talked about the, the meditation, um, doing different, um, different supplements or within nutrition. So working with a dietitian, but other supplements that people can take over the counter that can be helpful with fibromyalgia would be doing like melatonin, CoQ10, magnesium. So some of those supplements have been shown in smaller studies to help with the side effects of fibromyalgia and they're relatively low risk to take. Usually I always tell people, you know, make sure you at least meet with a dietitian or or nutritionist because maybe you're just not getting some of those things in your actual diet and you don't need to go buy, you know, 18 bottles of things at Target, even though we know that's so fun sometimes. (laughs) Um, But with the packaging nowadays, I'm like, I always walk past the aisles in Target and I'm like, oh, do I need that supplement? It's packaged so nicely. Um, but if you know if you're missing some important things in your diet or vitamin D things like that that you can you can change by just eating a little different that's one thing otherwise you know over the counter supplements can can be helpful sometimes with the symptoms too
0: sure is there any like i suppose the diet strategies are different for each individual too huh mhm yeah i assume that yeah. so how does exercise and physical therapy play a role in managing fibromyalgia? Maybe that question is meant for me.
1: I was gonna. Say, <laughs> I was literally gonna say I don't know, Mike. You tell me. What do you got?
0: <laughs> uh kind of how I mentioned earlier, it's not really a um, main condition we treat in physical therapy. Normally, they have some other issue, and they have fibromyalgia on top of it. So. As PTs, you just have to be more aware of their pain issues and try to work around them and get them to move as much as they comfortably can without overworking them, pretty much, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree with that, right? You don't. Movement is important. And you probably know this, you know, as a physical therapist, movement is very important just for mental health as well. So Some of the activities that are recommended for people with fibromyalgia um, would be certain types of yoga, swimming, walking. Um, You know, you don't have to be a marathon runner if you have fibromyalgia. We just want you to get out there, we want you to move, and we want you to be aware of your own body. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to, doesn't have to hurt for you to to say, okay, I did something. We just want you to get out there and, and move.
0: Yeah, oftentimes movement gets the uh, good feeling hormones to naturally generate more throughout the body versus just sitting around. So, yep.
1: And kind of just right. If you know, everyone will learn sort of what movements or what type of exercises really flare up their body more than others. I've seen a lot of people get a lot of relief with with swimming, um, especially in Minnesota in the winter when they can get inside in like a warm pool, just therapeutically, it works really well for for people. So that's a consideration too, um, as long as you're not like afraid of water, because that would just be <laughs> a you know, whole other issue. <laughs> it
0: just makes everything worse. Uh, are there any, oh my gosh, hold on. I just screwed up my whole document there. Oh, there it goes, it's back, okay. Uh, are there any new or emerging treatments or research breakthroughs in the field of fibromyalgia?
1: There is always something going on again. They, you know, not having a definitive test for fibromyalgia is not because of the lack of trying. I mean, there is always stuff coming down the pipeline in terms of how can we test this? How can we isolate it? In terms of treatment, you know, some of the treatment options that might be available would be doing like a low-level laser therapy to the tender points for fibromyalgia to essentially reduce oxidative stress in the muscles and help with range of motion. Sometimes if we can reduce the pain enough, and even if that's with laser therapy and medications if we can reduce the pain enough you know it's going to give people that incentive to go out and move more and then if they move more you know it also helps in the long term with their mental health too so um you know i think there's no kind of clinical standard unfortunately in how to treat this which again is why it makes it so interesting. So I think, you know, if you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, just making sure you're working closely with your provider in trying some of these things, giving them true feedback on how it's working. And that's going to help them kind of move along with the treatment plan, whether they add something or take something away. Um, But laser therapy has been showing some promising results too.
0: Is laser like red light or what? What is, what do you mean by laser? So
1: oh, like it. Um, so like infrared.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. So is it like a whole unit they just sit in?
1: So it's, um, it's a laser tool, like an applicator that has, you know, depending on what area you're treating different number of diodes on it that sure. will essentially put the laser. So you'd be treating kind of those tender, their most tender spots or most tender joints. Gotcha. Um, and treatments are usually, I mean, about. 10, 15 minutes. If you're treating the whole body, it can be a little longer
0: than that. Yeah. I think, do they kind of look like ultrasound machines almost?
1: Yeah.
0: They I kind mean, of... the, the pain ultrasound machines. Sorry yep. for listeners, not the pregnant ones. Not the pregnant <laughs> ones. No.
1: That's yeah. They kind the
0: of mind. look like the pain. Yep. Ultrasounds. Okay. That's what you're talking about. Got it. So what advice would you give to someone who suspects they may have fibromyalgia or have recently been diagnosed?
1: If... If you've recently been diagnosed, I guess one of my main nuggets of advice would be just make sure that you've had other workup done. So if you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and, you know, this is your first time going to the doctor in two years and you haven't had any recent blood work or anything like that, I would just kind of ask again and make sure that they're ruling out other things, because again, like we talked before with the overlapping, overlapping symptoms, there can be other things other than fibromyalgia going on, we just want to make sure that we don't miss any of that. Um, If you're working through that diagnosis of fibromyalgia, just be really patient. You know, again, if we order a lot of lab tests, it's for that same reason of ruling out something that is more obvious or more treatable. Um, And, you know, we're not discounting the thought that if you come in and say, hey, I think I might have fibromyalgia, we're not discounting that. We just want to make sure that we're not missing something. Um, But there is... You know, I guess another piece of advice is there is hope. I mean, there's definitely, like I said before, so much research going on regarding fibromyalgia, regarding how to diagnose it, how to effectively treat it. Um, and there are a lot of things currently out there that work for people. They just work for people differently. So just again, being patient and knowing that hopefully your treatment regimen that we try will be helpful.
0: So do you know of any like support groups or resources that are available for individuals with fibromyalgia or their caregivers?
1: Yes. So there's, there's a couple bigger, um, fibromyalgia support groups and I put some links to them too on my, on my website under provider resources. And then I can give them to you too, Mike, and you can put them down below. Sure. Um, in terms of like local groups you can always ask your local provider but there's a lot of support groups on social media now with the access the access we have to social media these days so facebook has a lot of um, pain support groups fibromyalgia support groups Um, and then even arthritis um, the arthritis institute has you know, information on how to manage fibromyalgia and things like that. So there's, there's definitely support and there's definitely, um, access to some of that research that's been going on. I think it doesn't hurt to be part of a support group, especially when you're dealing with a disease like fibromyalgia, where there's still a lot that's unknown. It's nice to kind of see what other people maybe have tried and, um, But I like with any type of social media, regardless of the disease or regardless of the reason you're on social media, I always like to tell people, you know, just be aware of of negative comments. You know, if someone saw one provider and they said they did nothing to treat their fibromyalgia, it doesn't mean that you can't get a second opinion somewhere else. Um, So sometimes negative comments on social media will sort of get in your head and, and pull you down. But just know that Keep going. There's there's someone out there that's going to have some type of answer, at least to improve your quality of life more than what you feel like you're getting now.
0: So are there any misconceptions or myths about fibromyalgia that you'd like to debunk? I think there's a couple myths. Um,
1: I think one of the myths is that it's an inflammatory disease, which we kind of talked about earlier with the rheumatoid arthritis. So there's no actual inflammation that they can gauge, you know, within the joints. There's no destruction of the joints that's occurring. I think one one of the other myths is that it's not a real disease. I think that's probably what I I hear the most. And it's usually I hear from people that don't have it (laughs) or that aren't diagnosed with it. And similar to like depression and anxiety, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't suffered with it that are very quick to say, you know, it's just mind over matter. You just, you you can get over it, things like that. Um, And that's definitely not the route to take with this because it definitely is a real disease. We definitely know that there are different biomarkers and different things going on in the body with fibromyalgia so it's real for people that that don't believe in it
0: so how can friends and family members best support someone who is living with fibromyalgia
1: yeah i think i mean one of the first things would to to let them know that you believe them um that you understand you know they're living with this pain and you don't understand it because you don't have it but you you know you believe them. I think that's probably one of the biggest things you can do to support someone with fibromyalgia. And then it, it would also be you know, to help them when they need help. If they go through these pain flares where it's difficult for them to go grocery shopping, it's difficult for them to go to work. If you have the ability in your life to have extra time to be able to grocery shop for someone, um, just like you would if someone went and had a knee surgery and they couldn't go to the grocery store, you know, helping them in that aspect to improve their quality of life. Because if, if you have a condition that makes it hard for you to go out and do something that should seem normal, like going to the grocery store, I mean, that's going to play a big role on their mental health. So their ability to get those groceries, whether it come from you or someone else, is still going to give them that feeling of normalcy during a flare-up of fibromyalgia. So just being there for for someone is probably the biggest thing
0: you can do so is there anything else I forgot you would like to mention you
1: forgot so much <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't <I'm>, be surprised
1: <laughs> no I'm just kidding no I think I mean I think that kind of covers it without you know covering it again there's still <laughs> there's just so much that you know we we need to know um but I think I think we hit it all
0: good so where can people find your website again
1: so modernyspine.com so it's modern with an i -I, m-o-d-e-r-n-i spine.com
0: perfect well thank you for joining us today
1: yes thank you for having me i appreciate it you guys are awesome
0: we're a-okay i guess you're
1: okay (laughs) for midwesterners you guys are okay
0: (laughs) yeah a bunch of midwesterners